Father, we love your word. We're so grateful that you've spoken to us. We're so grateful that you continue to speak to us, but the thread remains the same. Your word is unalterable. You're watching over it to perform it. And so, Father, we value your word. We're open to it. We want to hear what you have to say to us today. It's been a busy time. We love Christmas. Thank you for Christmas. We're looking forward to New Year. Some of us maybe haven't even got around that far in our minds to thinking about a new year and what that means. So, Lord, we just give you the next little while here and just say, Father, would you come speak to us? Would you come and stir us? Would you come and challenge us? Lord, I offer you my words this morning and just pray, Father, that you would speak something significant today by the power of your Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Okay, I want to uh, start off by telling you a little bit of a story, painting a bit of a picture. When I was in my early, mid-teenage years, I had a, uh, either a train journey or a cycle ride to school. And it involved a long um, mile journey up a hill into our road, which was a private road, um, down to the cul-de-sac, and we lived in the house on the end. About two-thirds of the way along, about four doors up from us, was kind of the biggest house on this little road. And um, cycling past this, or walking past this, was an adventure every time, because this house contained the two scariest-looking Great Danes that you've ever seen. And kind of paint the scene, I'd either be cycling, it's amazing how fast you can cycle when the Great Danes come out or walking past, and they'd hear you coming and they'd come thundering up to the, the fence, you know, slobber, drooling, fangs, you know, barking, thundering, and they'd come rushing up to this fence which is about this high. And this fence, I'm convinced, saved my life every single day from these scary guard dogs. Has anyone ever had great... I have, we had Great Danes after this. I think my parents were inspired. I met those same Great Danes in the park walking my little setters. And you know what? These dogs were the most soft and cuddly and docile, soppy creatures you've ever seen in your life. But I tell you what, when they were charging at that fence, it was very, very different. And the thing that made that significant, the thing that made that stick out in my mind was the fact, not that they were so scary, but the fact that the fence was so small. And they'd come thundering up to the fence and stop and bark and yap and do their thing, when actually, probably, they could have stepped over it. They certainly could have jumped over it, if only they'd known. There was a nice picture of Great Dane on the screen there. That's Giant George. You've heard it's dead now, sadly. Largest dog ever, massive dog. Another picture here. This picture here is of an impala. Uh, and an impala, you know, can jump to a height of 10 feet. It's quite a long way. And actually, it can cover a distance of 30 feet. It's quite a long way. Yet, you can keep impala in an enclosure with a fence with a three-foot height as long as they cannot see what's beyond the fence. Because they will not jump if they cannot see where their feet will fall. The big idea that I want to look at today is this. 
It's a question, really. What, what could we do if we were prepared to think outside of the box? What could we do if we were prepared to think outside of the box? You know, I think as, as human beings, we tend towards certain things by nature. We tend towards conformity. Conformity means we tend to do things like everybody else. We tend towards habit. Habit is doing the same things over and over as we've all, we have always done them. It's a habit. We tend towards repetition. We do like to do the same things over and over again. It's been fascinating today watching people arriving in church and seeing other people sitting in their seats and seeing them sit in other places around the church and watching the kind of blood drain out of their faces as they're forced to sit somewhere else. We love repetition, don't we? We also tend towards tradition. Tradition is doing the same things that have always been done. We've always done it that way. We're comfortable with it that way. Why should we change? And we also tend towards the path of least resistance. That means doing things that will cause us the least pain, the least aggravation, the least controversy, the least effort. I wonder, as you examine your life, whether you ever find yourself stuck in any of those. And what I'd like you to ponder today as we talk here is, is there anything you could or perhaps anything you should be doing differently? You see, there's a, there's a danger. And the danger is that as Christians, we live inside the box. Tim quite rightly said, I should have a big cardboard box up here to step in and out of. So you can kind of picture that. As Christians, we tend to live inside of the box. We tend to live the same way as everyone else. We tend to, to stick to the same lopsided values and priorities. We tend to find ourselves constrained by the same fears and anxieties. We tend to live bound up by the same constraints, the same limits, the same dampened expectations as everyone else. Well, do you know that the Bible calls us not to be conformers, but calls us to be transformers? Remember that old verse? It's going to come up on the screen right now. Romans 12, verse 2, which says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We're called not to be conformers. We're called to be transformers. And the point that this verse is, is trying to make here is that there is a, there is a pattern, there is a mold, there is a box, if you like. There is pressure from without to conform. Conforming is fine unless we're conforming to the wrong thing. The New Century Version says, don't be shaped by this world. Do you know, the reality is we are being shaped. We're going to be shaped. It's inevitable. But the question becomes, what is it that is shaping us? And certainly, what should it be that is shaping us? To which I would stick my hand up and say, well, surely it has to be the Lord. 
Surely it has to be his word that is shaping us. Maybe sometimes we tend to allow other things to shape us. The message says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. So easy, isn't it? You know, we're bombarded constantly by strong cultural influences. Kind of makes me think, how, how has our thinking been affected? How, for example, as a result of those influences, how do we, how do we think about God? How do we think about God's Word? How do we think about supernatural? How do we think about prayer? How do we think about, how do we think about ourselves in the light of that? How do we think about other people in the light of those cultural influences? Who's defining that? Which box have we put ourselves in? The Phillips uh, translation says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. And the danger is that we allow the world to squeeze us right into a box, right where the world, the spirit behind the world, wants us to be. And there are various things, forces that have pressurized us into thinking inside of the box. Culture is one, we've mentioned that. You know, society, media, you know, we all drink that stuff in, don't we? Marketing, the philosophies that are being promoted are squeezing us into thinking inside of a box. I think a personality can force us, if we're not careful, into a box. You know, we say things like this, I'm just quiet. I'm just shy. I'm just naturally fearful. I'm naturally anxious. Me, I'm introverted. I'm not eloquent. I'm not a leader. And if we allow ourselves to think like this, guess what? We're putting ourselves into a box. I think we're pressurized into thinking inside a box actually by church, by the denomination that we're part of, perhaps by the tradition we've been brought up in, perhaps by the teaching we've had from the front or the lack of teaching from the front. You know, my, my pet peeve, if you like, in the churches is when there's no faith. When there's no faith from the pulpit. When there's no boldness. When there's no vision. When there's no Holy Spirit. You know, when we don't know who we are in Christ. When we've lost our purpose. When we've lost our mission. The danger is that we've just changed the way I think. We find ourselves put in a box. Certainly not a box that God has put us in. Perhaps a box even church has put us in. I think we're pressurized into thinking inside of a box by, by busyness. You know, by our time constraints, they bound us, they bind us. By our job schedules, by the parental pressures that we have. And it's very easy to get stuck into a rut, into a box. And the last one, perhaps, on my little list here, we've had busyness. Perhaps the flip of that would be laziness. And what I mean by that is, is that conformity is just easier, isn't it? It's just less resistance. You know, why change? You know, that habit is just too dug too deep. It's too ingrained. Why would I even want to bother to try and confront that? And soon we find ourselves in a box. So back to Romans 12, verse 2. Romans 12, verse 2 is all about how we think. 
And the trap is, the trap is conforming. Conforming means thinking inside the wrong box. The solution is transformation, metamorphosis, by the renewing of our mind, breaking out of the world's box, the box that it's trying to squeeze us into. The second part of Romans 12 verse 2 says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The point is there is a different way of thinking. There is a different mold, if you like, a whole different paradigm. Just like Jesus, really. You know, Jesus wasn't stuck inside any boxes. In fact, I think Jesus was anti-box. Won't find a scripture on that one. But his teaching was designed, I think, to draw his followers out of their boxes. You know, we've talked a lot about the Sermon on the Mount recently, Jesus' revolution, how the Sermon on the Mount turned things upside down. And a lot of what Jesus was saying was, don't let them squeeze you into their religious mould, those Pharisees. Don't allow them to do it. It's the wrong mould. It's the wrong box. Don't get trapped in it. What did he call the Pharisees? He called them blind guides. See, Jesus thought differently. Jesus saw things differently. He saw the sick. He saw the lame. He saw the deaf. He saw the dumb. He said, that's no problem. He said, do you want me to spit on the ground and rub that spittle in their eyes? Sure, why not? Dead? No, they're not dead. They're only asleep. Jesus saw things differently. So the big question becomes, from which boxes do we need to escape? You know, as God's people about to jump from 2013 into 2014, as people in this time and space, members of this church, as it were, you know, from a personal perspective, what boxes do we need to break out of? From a corporate perspective, what boxes do we need to break out of? What bad habits have we picked up? What wrong thinking have we bought into? What are we not seeing right? What are we missing? What unnecessary constraints have we bound ourselves in? What box have we put ourselves in? And perhaps worse than that, what box have we put God in? You know Einstein's definition of insanity. If doing the same things over and over again and expecting different results is the definition of insanity, my question is, has the church gone insane? Do we keep doing the same things? Do we keep thinking the same things? Do we keep trying the same things, getting results that don't work and wondering maybe if there's something we should do about it? What I'm going to do today is I'm going to quickly give you three examples of thinking boxes that I think the danger is we find ourselves in. And the first box I'm calling in the God can't, so I won't box. God can't, so I won't. And I'd say that the box that we're in is probably determined by the box that we have put God in. To which I'd say, who said that we had any right to put any limits on God? Where in the Bible are there any limits placed on what God can and cannot do? 
Well, actually, there are. There are some limits. He cannot lie. He cannot violate his covenant. And he cannot and will not contradict or oppose his word. But those essentially are the only limits. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man, so he does not lie. He's not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? Rhetorical question, the answer to which is no. Psalm 84, verse 34. I will not violate my covenant or alter what my lips have uttered. So I'm prepared to concede that God has placed himself in a box, a sort of box. What I would say is there's a pretty large and pretty powerful box. A couple of scriptures. Jeremiah 32, verse 17, which we used to sing when I was a kid. Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Okay, for a second, I just want to pause and picture the box that you may or may not have placed God in. Genesis 18, 13 and 14. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? The answer, of course, is no. The story to which that refers is a pretty out-of-the-box story, isn't it? What we've got is a barren woman called Sarah and a hundred-year-old man called Abraham who has had this promise from God that he would be the father of a great nation, that his family would be more numerous than the sand on the shore and the stars in the sky. And yet, he's childless. I'm honest. If I'm honest with you, I'm not surprised Sarah laughed. I think probably... I would laugh. To which God says, hang on a minute, I think that you may well have placed me in a box. And if you've placed me in a box, you've almost certainly placed yourself in a box too. New Testament, Matthew 19, 26. Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Say with me, all things are possible with God. Brilliant. So ask the question, who is the God that we serve and what is his agenda? Maybe we need to realign our thinking a little bit as we go into 2014. First of all, he is the God of miracles. He heals amazingly and often. He is a God who answers prayer. He is a God who invites prayer. He is a God who saves the lost actively, purposefully, skillfully. He is a God at work in amazing ways in all the lives that we pass by and maybe don't even notice, don't even think, it doesn't even occur to us. God is deeply at work in that life. I hear countless stories, remarkable stories from people who come in here about how God has led them in, what God is doing for miles away, spiritually speaking, and they find themselves here. We had a guy last week, I don't know why I am here. I don't even go to church, but I just drove past yesterday and I felt I had to come. God is at work 
This is the God that we serve. He is a God of power. You know, we shouldn't be surprised at manifestations of his power. I love the line that my brother says, that when we pray for people, we shouldn't be surprised that they fall over. What we should be surprised about is that they ever get back up again. I like that. You know, we have a, we have a God of power. We have a God of promise. And once he has promised, that promise is never forgotten. So what right do we have to start putting God in this box? You know, there's a, there's a tendency, I think, to moan about how the devil has corrupted the world. To which I'd say a few things. First of all, it is not his world. Secondly, he ceased to be the God Swalzy of this world on the first Easter Sunday. He is not the most powerful source, force here, and he is destined to lose. 1 John 4 verse 4 says, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He's the greater one. Matthew 16, 18 and 19, Jesus talking to Peter, said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. You know, we are stronger than we think. We are certainly stronger than them. You know who I'm talking about. As Gishavro would say, it is not a fair fight. And yet, do we as Christians live our lives as though we were outnumbered? As though we were overwhelmed? As though we were under-resourced? Because frankly, nothing could be further from the truth. Let me remind you of Colossians 2, verse 15. Message translation says, He, that's Jesus, stripped all the, all the spiritual tyrants of the universe of their sham authority on the cross and marched them naked through the streets. You know, the devil has a smaller, weaker team, and that team is disunited disempowered, disenfranchised. God, however, has infinite, unlimited, unopposable power. He has all authority, he has all wisdom, and all insight. Now, God is capable of releasing in one word, in one breath, more power than the force of hell combined could muster if you added up everything they ever did throughout the ages. There's more power in one word, one breath of the Almighty. So I tell you what, why don't we let God out of his box? The limits that we've placed on him. Let's let him out of that box. Maybe we need to wriggle out of that box too. The God can't, so I won't. Box number two is the what possible difference could I make box. What possible difference could I make box. I heard a uh, CD, no, it was a video a long time ago, Joyce Meyer called The Can-Do Crowd. And in it she said, people who think they can and people who think they can't are both right. Here's a quote for you. When Goliath came against the Israelites... 
the soldiers thought, he's so big, we can never kill him. David looked at the same giant and thought, he's so big, I can't miss. And you say, yeah, but it's just little old me. You know, one in 6.5 billion. The one who failed GCSE maths, who's been divorced twice, who gets shivers in front of a crowd, who doesn't know his epistles from his apostle. If that's what you think about yourself, what you need to do is stop and read the Bible stories. Let me tell you about some of the people that God used. Let me tell you about Gideon. When God appeared to Gideon, Gideon said, how can that possibly be? I'm the youngest member of the weakest family of the smallest tribe. doesn't get any smaller and any lower than that. And what did God say to him? Mighty warrior, rise up. I'm going to use you as the champion of my army to defeat the enemy. Not only that, we're going to strip that enemy right down to 300 people and you watch me work. This is my battle, not yours. What about David? You know, when they brought the parade out of the next king, little David was up on the hills with his sheep. They didn't even bring David down. All the other brothers, the good-looking, the big, the mature, the well-educated, strong, powerful you know, army soldiers, they were all brought out. David wasn't even brought to the parade. But look at him. Jesus will be sitting on his throne for eternity. What about the disciples? What about Peter, Andrew, James and John? Who are they? Mighty men, politicians, rulers, highly intellectual. No, they were fishermen. And the sense that I get reading the scriptures, they weren't desperately good at that. Even Jesus, you know, was the son, in quotes, of a lowly carpenter. I wonder why God gave Jesus that position rather than another one. And worse than that, he was from Nazareth. You know what they said about Nazareth? What's the quote? Nothing good could come out of Nazareth. I had a conversation with Guy once, sitting in my freezing cold office in Collingwood, Ontario. And he said something like this. I wonder why the Bible is packed with stories of God using rogues and scoundrels, murderers, prostitutes, tax collectors, shepherds, widows, children. The what possible difference could I make box? Let me tell you what God says about you. Romans 8, verse 37. And it's a, it's a pretty grim reading, that. Paul's, Paul's piling it on with the troubles and the opposition and the difficulties. And he says, In all these things we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. Luke 10, verse 19. Jesus sending those same disciples out. says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Philippians 4, verse 13. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline, a sound mind. If you find yourself in a box of inadequacy or inferiority or insecurity, God did not put that box there. Guess who did? If you find yourself in a box of fear, anxiety, shame, God did not put that box there. Guess who did? 
If you find yourself in a box of irrelevance or purposelessness, God did not put that box there. Guess who did? And so back to Romans 12, verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's time for a renewing of the mind. It's time for a thinking transformation. It's time for us to start to think outside of the box. Last one. We're going to finish super, super duper early today. Number three. The world around us is closed off to God box. Third box. The world around us is closed off to God box. You know, this is exactly what the devil would like you to believe. I'm not saying here that absolutely everybody you see is ripe fruit hanging off the tree six inches from the ground. But Jesus, if you remember, saw a completely different picture to everyone else. Matthew verse 9, he looked around and he saw those people like a sheep without a shepherd, helpless and harassed. And do you know what he said? He said, the harvest is great. The harvest is great. The problem, he said, is that the workers are few. Now you go and pray that the God of the harvest will send workers into the harvest field. What did God see? Did God see, did Jesus see this world around us is closed off the God box? I don't think he did. And Jesus gave us, his church, a pretty powerful mandate when you think about it. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 through 20, is his commission to us. And in it, you know, paraphrase and summarize, he says, all authority has been given to me, Jesus. Now, I'm going to give you authority. I'm going to send you out. Go into all the world. Make disciples of every nation. And he says, these signs will follow those who believe. We're believers. Signs should be following us. And then it goes on. It says, in my name they shall. In my name you shall. In my name you shall lay hands on the sick, for example, and they shall recover. The danger, again, is that we find ourselves thinking inside of a box. We find ourselves with limited, strangled thinking. So we think things like this. People won't come to church if I ask them. How do you know? You're limiting your thinking. You're limiting your faith there. Such dampened expectations. Number two, people will reject me if I mention God. Number three, people are frightened of any mention of anything supernatural. No, the church is frightened. Everyone else is fascinated by it. We put these constraints, these limits on ourselves. We find ourselves thinking inside of a box. It's time to break out of that box. Break out of the world around us is closed off to God. Box. You know, revival is coming. The end time harvest is due. I just want to make sure that we're ready for that. I want to make sure that we're not off guard. I want to make sure we're not half asleep. Make sure we've not written ourselves off saying things like this. It couldn't possibly happen here in sleepy old Bidford. Well, who said that? Who said that? Will God do it here? Why not? And let's make sure there's nothing of us standing in the way. Let's make sure that the only constraints are the ones that God's word puts there. Let's not think so small that God cannot do the something big that we long for. 
So, tying this together, how do we respond? As we move from 2013 into 2014, interesting, isn't it? The prophetic word that God is stirring at the moment, interesting. How do we respond? Well, I think what we need to do is we need to change the way we think, we need to change the way we talk, and we need to change the way we act. It's time to stop moaning about the state of society and start changing it. Are we conformers or are we transformers? You know, don't, don't moan about your life. Don't moan about your wife. I just said wife, not husband. It rhymes, okay? Don't, don't, don't moan about your life. Don't moan about your wife. Don't moan about your home. That's the end of the rhyming. Don't moan about your kids. Don't moan about your job, your bank account, your personality, your weaknesses. Don't moan about that stuff. You know, we've been given authority. We've been given the word of God. We've been given the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. The greater one lives on the inside of you and me. We are victors by nature. We are called to overcome the world. We are more than conquerors in Christ. Who are we? to put limits on what God can do. Have we stripped the name of Jesus of its power? Am I, am I wearing the clothing he gave me? Am I wearing that robe of righteousness? Do I have that Ephesians 6 armour in my hands? Am I clothed with that mantle of power that Jesus promised his disciples in Luke 24, 49? Have we forgotten about the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Are we, are we natural beings or are we supernatural beings? been said many times, take the supernatural out of the Bible, there's not a great deal left, if I'm honest. A few genealogies and a few laws. We're called to be naturally supernatural. That's who Jesus was. That's who the apostles were. That's who the early church was. That's who we are called to be. Where is Mark 16? Where are the signs that follow those that believe? Where are the greater works that Jesus promised that we would do in his name because he's gone to the Father. Where is the power of Pentecost? Have we been lured away from New Testament, Acts of the Apostles, living? So, let's personalise this. How is your thinking holding you back? Have you maybe allowed negative experiences or past failures to force you in some way into a box? What bad habits have you allowed the years to squeeze you into? Are you like the Great Danes? They could have stepped over that fence and had me for supper every single time. But they thought they were in a box. The Impala in a zoo, three-foot fence. It can jump ten feet and blow it out of the water. But because it doesn't know what's beyond, it won't jump. Well, let's be honest, we don't know what's beyond, but that's what faith is all about. That's what faith is all about. Let's ask this question. What could God accomplish through us if we were to climb out of the box and stop trying to squeeze him into one? What could God do in 2014? What could God do in you? What could God do in us? What could God do through you? What could God do through us? You know, it's time as the church to live as though Jesus were on the throne because the last time he looked, he was. 
It's time we lived as if the devil were disarmed and defeated. Because when I read the book, that's exactly what he is. It's time we lived as though every promise and every prophecy is guaranteed to come to pass because it is. It's time to step up and step out. It's time to be the church. It's time to be the people of God. It's time to live like it was the book of Acts. It's time to live as though Jesus actually were in the room. It's time to live as though the Holy Spirit was bursting to come out of us because guess what? He is. It's time to stop thinking inside the box. It's time to be transformed and it's time to think outside the box. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. John and the team would like to come forward. That would be great. Heavenly Father, who are we to put you inside of a box? Last few days, I've, I've seen the top 10 pictures that NASA has produced this year. And I've seen those galaxies that you framed with your fingertips. I've seen that. Your power is not in dispute. I just wonder, Lord, if for me, I have perhaps been guilty of putting you inside a box, somehow limiting what you can, cannot do. And when I see you in that box, all of a sudden I find myself in a box, and it's a constraining, limiting, frustrating box. And it's so easy to be forced into that by habit, by all those other factors. Do you know what, Lord? I, I'm convinced today that you are saying to us, time to break out of that box. It's time to think Jesus' thoughts. It's, it's time to start walking, living, breathing the promises of Scripture. It's time to start walking with being aware of the indwelling power of the Spirit inside. I'm sure, Lord, that the limits that we place upon ourselves are exactly that. We have placed them upon ourselves. So, Lord, we'd say to you today, what would you have us do? What would you have us change? What habits do we need to break? What unbelief do we need to cast aside? What scriptures do we need to grab a hold of? How, how now do I need to look at myself? How now do I need to look at your church? Because I have a suspicion that some of what I see is a little bit off. Lord, I want to see through your eyes. I want to think through your mind. Lord, my prayer is that 2014 would be all those things that have been mm. prophesied, that nothing would hold back the move of God in this place Amen. and in every place. Amen. Lord, we long for the day when every church in this land is bursting at the seams mm. with life, with peace, with joy, with hope, with faith, with power, with new believers, because nothing is holding us back. Why not revive in this place, O oh God? Why not a mighty outpour of your spirit right here? I'm convinced that's your heart. Amen. I'm convinced that's your purpose mm. for us. So Lord, burst our thinking wide open today, we pray. Yes. And Lord, we remember the God that we serve. Yes. We remember that our God is stronger. We remember that our God is greater. We remember that his thoughts and his ways 
are higher. Remember that his love is deeper, wider. Lord, we remind ourselves today that our God is great. Thank you, Lord.